Monday, presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. And a very, very happy good morning to everybody here in the Capital Region and beyond. Welcome to Any Given Fun Day here on ESPN Radio, 104.5 The Team and the free 104.5 The Team app. You are joined by two of the greatest hosts to ever step on the microphone, Joey Haas and Ray Osterhout. Wow. And a guy that, a, a aspiring producer slash great friend slash does, does everything, Kobe Brickner. What an intro. This guy is feeling it this morning, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we have a great show for you planned. Um, there's been some crazy stuff going on. We still have we have an automatic bid from an eight or a fifteen seed today to go to the final four. We'll get to that, I'm sure. We have a lot of baseball to talk about, basketball as well, some NFL headlines. Um, we got it all for you today, so um it's gonna be a fun one. Welcome to the show. Uh just an agenda. You know, I wanna talk uh, New York Yankees baseball, of course. It's getting closer. Uh, we'll have a debate regarding the New York Mets at some point, and and they'll they'll be involved in the conversation. Uh, I'd like to talk about um, a few things, right? Obviously, college basketball, uh, the NBA as it as it starts to dwindle down towards the playoffs. Uh, so we got a lot of things. We got a lot of things that I want to discuss. I'm sure things that you guys want to discuss. Um, we can start off with, uh, I think, me and Kobe's night lesson. I think like that is a oh good intro into. What is now any given fun day here on this beautiful Sunday morning? So, me and Kobe, right? We consider. I think we just consider ourselves at this point old men, right? Dude, I, I'll get. I'll get to it too. With, yeah. with me to, yeah. from Chowderfest yesterday too. After your story, so we. I just texted him. He's like, "We doing anything tonight? Like, what's up?" And I'm like, "Yeah, come on over." Like I said, let's sit on the couch. Let's throw in a big sports bet and let's do this, puppy. So he comes over, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's up? Yeah, but, yeah, whatever. And we're like, all right, let's get to business. So we look up what games are on the slate. And it's like, it's about, it's about nine o'clock when he gets over. And so West Coast game is already incoming is what I'm the feeling The only this. game that we could bet, right? There's two games. You could either bet the Denver Nuggets, uh, which would, their spread was minus 17, or you could bet. Who are they playing? Uh, the, who? They were playing the Thunder. There you go. Seventeen. Or you could bet the very uh, delicious-looking matchup of the Portland Trailblazers and the Houston Rockets. Okay. So you know, you know us. We're like, yo, let's go. Like, let's do this. So we made that. We we sat there for about twenty-five minutes, made this parlay, sweated out. I mean, you talk. You look up. You look up. Degenerating, Ray. And and like I said, the picture of you and Kobe sitting on, sitting side by side, yeah, watching with the game. sweat dripping onto the, <laughs> onto this leather couch, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so that was how, and we didn't hit, which made it all the worse. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was our Saturday night, which led us to here. Uh, but I had a good morning so far, so I'm just trying to drag it into now the radio show. What, but, what made you feel like an old man though? You just not wanting to go out? Well, Is that just what you not mean? going out, deciding that it's like, better to sit home <laughs> just on a stay couch in and, and bet. Two two twenty three year old dudes. Instead of going out and trying to you know have fun and, and do something, we decided to 
sit on a couch in in my mom's basement and and bet bet bet, a, <laughs> bet the Houston Rockets after watching an illegal stream. So, oh my god, yeah. So what I'll say is, yesterday I went, I attended Chowder Fest out in Saratoga. Um, now say it right, say it right. What Chowder? Chowder? Chowder Fest. Sorry. Um, huge turnout. I mean that for all the times I've gone, had to be the most people there. I mean, maybe it was just because I was in Gaffney's the whole time and we've never really gone just into a bar and stayed there. But there was a lot of people. So um, it was a good event. Don't get me wrong. But it was just like I I wasn't drinking. I I drove us there from the hotel. And I was like, you know, I'm too old. I'm still coming off being sick. So I don't want to, you know, get to five o'clock and be chalked. Are you are you day. ever are you ever out of a stage of not being sick though? I no, feel like you, I, <laughs> I feel like if you're not if you're not sick. Jack Jack said something to me yesterday. He goes he goes, "You know why you're always sick?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "You are never home and you're always and you're never able to just relax." And I was like, "Yeah, you're kind of right. Like I'm always working or and then when I'm home, I'm either streaming or doing something during the day. Like Saturdays and Sundays are kind of my only days off, so um, I think that's what it probably is, to be honest with you. It's just overworking myself. But hey, we're 25. Got to get that money, right? Got to get sweaty. So. Gotcha. But we get we get to like, it's like 4, 430. And my friends are just gone. Like absolutely. The, the rest of the night, I was like, you guys are not making it to 9, 10 o'clock at max. So I was just kind of sitting there and I wasn't drinking. I made the mistake of not drinking early with them. <laughs> and. It just came back to haunt me. I ended up leaving a little bit early just because I wasn't feeling great and I wasn't drinking. So wow, I just that that moment to me, I felt like I was a fifty-year-old man out of place when I was watching. Come on, dude! Physical fifty-year-old men take shots at the You're bar. You're watching. You know there, what I there's mean? There's a fifty-year-old man right now, right this very second, that's punching air because of you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Are you serious?" I know, and it sounds crazy, but hey, I don't know. Hey, it's part of it's part of the uh, cycle of life here, um, but. Let's. I don't want to jump into a Yankee conversation until next segment, just because I, I want a full segment to talk about this stuff. Um, so let's touch on a little bit of college basketball right now, and then we will, you know, revisit this uh, within the next hour or two. Right? Mm-hmm. We are here till noon. So yesterday, two games, and I think the biggest headline to pull away from yesterday is Coach K is still dancing in his last dance. Right. Yeah. And like and like I Very said, impressive. like I said, they probably I wouldn't say they have an easy route by any means. You know, obviously, regardless, UNC is your arch rival. No matter what seed they are, they've been playing above an eight seed this season so far throughout the throughout the oh, tournament. Sure. Uh, they've really turned it on. And then also you look on the other side, and it's the Mar- or it's the Cinderella story in St. Peter's, and that's a team you just don't want to play because every every game that we're looking at, right? They've beaten a two, they've beaten a three. So far, now you go and they're playing an eight seed, and, you're, and and they obviously beat Murray State as well. But the way that they're playing basketball right now, it seems like they're able to combat whatever weakness that that looks like it's going to be going into the game. Right, the the big thing when they were playing Purdue was their bigs were supposed to dominate and take over that game, and they were double teaming, dropping down, help defense was, was on point, and they were just able to stick with them the whole game. And if they're able to stick stick with them, they're a clutch factor. They have a absolute clutch factor. And, um, you know, obviously I don't want to say that either one of them is going to be an easy opponent, but uh, Duke has looked really good. Um, Paulo has looked really good. Uh, A.J. Griffin has looked really good. Big Mark has looked really good. That that whole starting five uh, is an absolute Roach. issue. 
Roach, uh, yeah, icing it, icing it down the other night. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, they got their their starting lineup is their is their big thing. The problem is when it, when they come off the bench. I feel like there's not a lot of depth to these teams this year. Um, I felt like Purdue kind of had that depth. Houston had a little bit of that depth, but these top teams like Kansas, Auburn, that that was kind of their downfall, right? Is when they brought these subs in, they're falling off. They're going down by ten, and then they're asking their starters to come, bring the game back. Yeah, and that and that's to me the biggest thing that I've taken away from the tournament this year. Now, let me just present the question to you, right? Maybe maybe it's worth a poll on Twitter. Maybe that's where we'll go with this Ooh. the rest of the show. Um, well, you know, regarding this topic, who would you rather see the Duke Blue Devils play, right? Well, in the next round, did who- you did you get the end of the Duke game last night? I did. So you you heard Paula's interview, right? Yeah. When when they tried to trick him again to say right. who does he want to play, because obviously in the ACC championship game, he said we want UNC. And then UNC ended up losing, and then they lost but, to Virginia Tech. But I feel like, like if you, as a fan, right, take take Coach K out of it, take Duke out of it, right. As a fan, what do you would you rather see the Cinderella team make it to the, which is which is unheard of, or would you rather see like you can't draw up a better story than Duke UNC Final Four matchup, last time Coach K is ever the coach, brand new coach for UNC. UNC Did is we- really the last time that that Duke lost. Right, yeah. so you you have to factor in all those things. As a fan, what would you rather see? As a as a fan, I would rather see honestly. I would rather see St. Peter's, and I, I don't yeah. know if that's biased because of you know having the MAC around here and the fact that Siena is the last team that beat St. Peter's, right? So, or yeah. So when you look at it that way, obviously the matchup of UNC Duke, I think as a as a national fan base is probably what you want to see. But for me personally, I'd rather like to see the you know the Peacocks keep going. Bet the house on the Cox is what we've been saying, right? Yeah. Hundred percent. So, um, all right. So here's here's what we're gonna do here. Let's do a Twitter poll. All right. I'm gonna create this Twitter poll as I say this. Who would you rather see Duke play in the Final Four? St. Peter's, North Carolina. I think that's a good question. Hundred percent. Right. Because I feel like me personally, right. I love the 15, but I feel like at once you're this far into the tournament, like you know exactly what you're getting from teams. Like Duke is locked in. Duke is absolutely locked in. I just feel like personally, if if St. Peter's and Duke match up, Duke wins by twelve points it, at least. And here's the thing you gotta think of as well. Like all of these teams right now are on their hot streaks, right? They haven't lost since, you know, obviously their conference tournaments. But then you also think about it and it's like Arkansas just be, you know, number one team number one seed overall in the tournament. And they come out and they get, you know, I wouldn't say handled, but they it was a comfortable win for Duke at the end of the game. They were up by what, 14, 12, 14 points towards the end of the game. They um, with four minutes left, and Jack was like, "Yo, it's not over. Don't say anything." And I was like, "Dude, they got this. Don't worry." And they they made a little bit of noise here and there, but they weren't able to hit their shots. And it's just that kind of mentality to me is, it's crazy. You know, we we said, and I don't don't remember if you remember me saying this, but at the start of the term, I said this is probably gonna be one of the wildest terms yeah, we ever. I have. remember, yeah. And I didn't think it was gonna be this crazy. This has been absolutely absurd for March Madness, even even March Madness terms. So I, I don't know. I think that just overall, everyone's going to want to root for the Cinderella team going forward. But obviously, Duke UNC, you're not yeah. going to complain about like, that. You can't way. complain about, it. especially just I feel like the the bad blood, right? The the best rivalry in college sports, college basketball, is Duke yes. UNC. Um, so check out this poll on Twitter at Given Fun Day, uh, and let's uh, let's get some votes up. Let's revisit this. Uh, potentially, you know, in the 11 o'clock hour, and maybe we can expand on the conversation and go off. Maybe we see who's winning, and we we have a conversation about that. I'm done. 
Uh, let's do this. Let's go to break right now. When we come back, let's discuss the New York Yankees. Uh, less than two weeks until opening day. And there is some moves that still need to be made for the fans to be happy. Let's talk about uh, a potential player getting a contract extension. Maybe a Yankee coming back, maybe not coming back. Let's discuss the New York Yankees, everything that comes with them. It is Any Given Fun Day. It's Joey Haas, Ray Ostrout, and Kobe Brickner here with you on 104.5 The Team. It's Any Given Fun Day, presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. Trap, trap, money, penny. Got me in my feelings. Gotta be real with Yeah. Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? Say you never ever leave from beside me. Cause I want you and I need you. And welcome back here to Any Given Fun Day on ESPN Radio 104.5 The Team and the free 104.5 The Team app. You are hanging out on a Sunday fun day with Joey Haas, Ray Osterhout, and Kobe Brickner as we get you ready for another week in New York sports, national sports, and everything in between. Make sure you check out our Twitter poll at Given Fun Day and make sure you vote. We have a great Twitter poll question up there about... Who would you rather see Duke play in the Final Four, UNC or St. Peter's? Um, and we will discuss the results of that uh, in the coming hour. But right now, I want to talk about the New York Yankees. We are the home here for the New York Yankees. Once again, 104.5 the team. And so far, so good, I guess, in spring training as far as the Yankees go, as far as everything that entitles or entails them. Uh, but there are some some things that haven't been, uh, clo- you know, some doors that haven't been closed yet that the Yankee fans, the Yankee organization, and, and the player himself want closed, and that is the Aaron Judge extension, right? And this all comes to fruition based on the offseason the Yankees had. They don't spend any money, so here we are with Aaron Judge, uh, one of the one of the better Yankees of of you know the last. 10, 15 years, right? And he has one year left, and it's either going to be he goes to free agency after this year or they extend him before opening day. And we have gotten news, right, of the fact that Aaron Judge will have an extension offer to him by opening day. Um, I think that that's the one thing, I, I guess, looming over Yankee fans' heads right now is Will the Yankees get this deal done? Are we going to have to play a season now after everything that we've been through over the last four or five years? Are we going to have to play a season now guessing is Aaron Judge going to be a Yankee ever again after this year? Like you need to, I think if, if, and this is just obviously Yankee bias too, but you need to, you need to resign him. And I think Ray, you could agree with that. Aaron Judge needs to remain a Yankee for the rest of his career, right? He said it. There's mutual interest. It's about making the, the dollars work. Yeah, at least at least the prime of his career, I, I would 100% say. And, you know, the thing is, is like you just said, free agency this year to a lot of Yankee fans was a bust. And that's the biggest thing right now is you have an uncertainty in this team. And I think the good news is that both Cashman and Judge have, have said that they want to get this deal done. So I think that's a positive thing to look for if you are a Yankees fan. But Aaron Judge is probably the most important player in your lineup. and Absolutely. In the middle of your order, you know, he's going to probably be, you assume, best average on your team. Probably the most hits, most or near the most home runs, RBIs up there with. Hey, Stan Ball, Monday on the drive. Charlie and I are back at City. Every time. 
So every time. Hopefully with uh hopefully with John Carlos Stan, assuming they both stay healthy this year. Um Stan has looked good so far in spring training, only eight at bats, but he's five for eight so far. Um hit a couple nukes. So I mean IKF has looked good as well in the baseball. So yep, our boy Ick. Yeah. Um, didn't also know he plays catcher as well. If if you if he you want to slot him anywhere, in. dude, yeah, that guy is a uh, yeah, he, is he? That's why that, I'm not gonna like try and get off track here, but that's why I like the trade, yeah. right? Because he can sub in for Geo, he can sub in for anybody you want, mm-hmm. literally anybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ek gets some games at uh, catcher this yeah, year. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. But back back to the Judge thing, I think when you look at this team, when you look at this roster, Aaron Judge has been, needs to be the foundation of this team moving forward, right? Absolutely. I, don't, I don't think there's any question Absolutely. to it. Um, he's been probably their most consistent when healthy player, and the Yankee fan base loves him, absolutely loves him. So, I mean, where do they go from here? Bless you, Kobe. Um, nice. I, don't really, I don't really know. You know again, Three staples on this roster, right? Uh, at least in my mind as a guy who watched a lot of New York Yankees baseball. Three staples, right? Aaron Judge, number one staple. John Carlos Stanton. Number two staple, Garrett Cole, right? I look at the Yankees in the, in the in the future, right? The foreseeable future; those guys are all part of the Yankees. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't disagree. I think probably John Carl is the only one. I don't think um, he's going anywhere. I don't know where else he would go at this point. No, right? Because he's he was, great. He's great though. Like, yeah, he's th- good. Don't get me wrong. He's still you know a great hitter in his own right. I just think here he kind of did the thing where he was on a bad team, got his bag right. And he even got a bag with the Yankees, and he's still, you know, considered to be on a good team. It's just a fact of, you know, he was supposed to make the change from a guy who was, on, you know, a great hitter on a bad team to a great hitter on a on a great team, yeah, and make yeah. an actual impact. And we just really haven't seen that yet because of his injury situation. So he played great last year. I'll give him that. Yeah, and like I said, it's just when he's healthy, and I think that's the biggest thing that we have to ask for. You know, bigger guys like Judge, like Stanton. Um, you know, obviously you got Sevy coming back this year as well, so. There's a lot of pieces that they have to pick up. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to get a good taste of it right on opening day. You know, it's about, what, a little over a week away at this point? April 7th, so uh, a week and a half. Right, yeah, around, half. around there. And, you know, it's right against the Sox. It's at home. Um, this is going to be a huge series for them. Honestly, for both teams. You know, we're going to get to see Story for the first time um, in a Red Sox uniform after spring training, obviously, but a first taste of him. And that lineup, I mean, you know, the Red Sox right now are considered to have, you know, top four infield. You could probably switch any of those four with the Braves, um, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. You could probably swap any of four of those around how you want them. So I think this is a statement series to open it up and say, hey, Yankees fans, guess what? Don't be worried. If you're thinking the Red Sox are better than us, this is our statement series to say, we're here. Our new guys are worth it. This offseason wasn't a bust, and we now have Aaron Judge back. So I think this is a big thing to start the season off because Yankee fans, look, Joey, I love you. I love you to death. But you know Yankees fans, they can get into that pit, right? Oh, and it's hard for them to get out. So if they don't see it yeah. early, they're not going to know if they're going to see it later on. And they're going to be riding them the whole way. And that's the last thing that this Yankees team needs this year is for the fans to be thinking, this team isn't it. I saw I saw a tweet now that you mentioned that. I saw a tweet yesterday that I was gonna I was gonna post on our social medias, but uh, it was it, somebody tweeted Yankees fan or nobody hates Yankees players more than Yankee fans. <laughs> Is that the truth? Yeah. That's the truth, right? Um, but we talked we we mentioned staples, right? And I think there may be one more staple player that the Yankee that when you think of the New York Yankees uh, over I, the past I, I 10, 12 years, I got a feeling. Right? There's just one guy say. that that. 
is always just there. Can I, can I guess? Of course you can. It's Brett Gardner. It's Brett Gardner. It's definitely Brett Gardner. It's Big Brett. And guess <laughs> guess who's not on the New York Yankees yet? Um, so it's Brett Gardner. And Cashman was asked uh, yesterday about Brett Gardner. Hey, like Brett's been a part of this team since Johnny Damon got traded here. <laughs> You guys thinking you're going to bring him back? And the 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 response from Cashman was, we're kind of happy with the team we have right now. We've talked to Brett's agent, blah, 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 this and that. I'm starting to get the sense that it may be the end of, of, a, of a long relationship between the New York Yankees and Brett Gardner. And I get, he's not an impactful player. He's not. He's not anymore, right? But it's Brett Gardner, right? Like, that is the one dude that you just want to keep bringing back. Right, I don't know if there's a guy like that for for the Red Sox, but he's not he's not there to to bat 300 anymore. He's not there to bat 250 anymore. I'm trying to think. He's just there because he's Brett Gardner. Well, we haven't really had. I mean, because we're kind of I would say a younger roster, right? At this point, at this point, at this point. So we don't really have that guy who's been on the team because Sale was like maybe for, it's like the Sale Jim Tomei agent. of of the White Sox. So you just keep bringing that guy back because it's cool. Yeah, right? or um, it's Jim. Or like Matt Stairs. He's got to be on a team somewhere. Matt Stairs. Yeah. Right? You know. Or like in basketball, um, I'm trying to think of a guy that just, he just st- sticks around Jared for another Dudley. year. Jared, Udonis Haslam. Udonis Haslam. Perfect that example. Is, that is the best example that I, Brett Gardner to the Yankees is what Udonis Haslam is to the Miami Heat. Isn't that crazy? He got drafted in 88. That's beautiful. Playing? Eight. Wait, who? <laughs> Udonis. Not 88. I thought that's what I saw. I no, don't know if that was real. 88. But. Oh, oh my okay. god, he's definitely in the nineties. He's like, he was <laughs> dude. I swear, I swear, I saw, I swear, I saw something online that said, "Can you believe this is real?" And it said, "Udonis Haslam's draft year was '88." I was like, "There's no way that's real." Oh my born god! Yeah, okay. born in 1980. He wasn't drafted at eight years old. <laughs> I question you guys sometimes, man. I question I the internet too. This is why, hey kids, this is a great example here. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. All right. There's always there's always another hole. There's always another line you can look for. So yeah, wow. uh, don't don't pull at me here. But <laughs> to sum up this conversation, I don't know if Brett Gardner comes back. I do think though the Yankees will have Aaron Judge re-signed to a long-term seven-year contract. I think uh, when we are discussing opening day uh, next weekend too, right as, as it gets closer, but. I think that's. I think it's. We go one. We go one for two. I would. I would personally like to have Brett back, but then at the same time, I think in my head as a Yankees fan, right? There's all these superstitions and things like that. Hey, maybe we don't need Brett back. Maybe he's the guy that's been holding us back, right? Well, and the biggest like, thing, it's a superstition. The, thing. the biggest thing too for me is you. You talk about all these young guys coming up right now that you guys have so much trust in, and I think this is going to be a year where think about it. If things don't go how you want them to, and people. Who you think are going to perform or, or producing that you want them to say like a say like an Aaron Hicks right say like a guy who's kind of I wouldn't say on the brink but it's a guy that you could probably except we paid him way more money you would think you would think that he is probably a replaceable player on the team because of these young guys like Jason Dominguez and and um, Volpe and and those guys so Brett Garner is just going to have another uh, going to be another guy that's going to take a spot from somebody like that any of those any of those three real minor league guys that you have so much promise in. So I think this is the year for them that, you know, if they if they don't start doing what they what the Yankees fans want them to do, they take a turn. And the question I want to ask you before we end the segment is yeah. what what is your biggest worry this season as a Yankees fan? 
biggest worry this season. Yeah. Uh I think I think we save it. I think okay. we save that. I think there's a, there's a whole nother conversation to be had here about the New York Yankees and I could not express myself on the biggest worry in 1 minute and okay. and, and be able to fully come to terms with that conversation. Fair. Is that fair? Yeah. All right, we got we got another what we got another Sunday before we we go back to the MLB. but no 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 I mean I think we can just revisit it later this show oh just talking about MLB and then let you get your your thing out okay yeah 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 oh, got let's let's discuss that you know in the next hour I think that's a that's a five ten minute conversation yeah. like I cannot sit here in one minute and say this is what I, you know this is the this is how I feel yeah and if right? you don't you know if you don't mind I'll go with the Red Sox we'll do that yeah we'll make we that can a, do that right. oh of course dude you got if you don't get your Red Sox itching. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm not even able to talk about the Sox. All right, we're Yan- we're New York, everything. Hey man, you know it is what it is. You signed up for it. I did. You signed up for I it. I did. I signed that contract. <laughs> Which one? I didn't sign the same one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do this. Go to break. When we come back, a certain player on the Brooklyn Nets said that I'm not going anywhere. Can we take his word for it? Do we believe him? And what is the what is the future of this team looking like? Is it bright, dark? Let's see. It's any given fun day. It's Joey Haas, Ray Ostrow, Kobe Breckner here with you on 104.5 The Team. It's any given fun day presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. And welcome back here to Any Given Fun Day here on ESPN Radio 104.5 The Team and the free 104.5 The Team app. It is a Sunday fun day with the coolest guys that you know, Joey Haas, Ray Osterhout, and Kobe Brickner, getting you ready for another week in this beautiful world, in the beautiful, in the smaller world of New York sports, right? We got a bad day tomorrow with weather, but after that... It's looking all right. I'm hoping this is the last 20, 30 degree day, and then we can really just start yeah. to, you know, yeah. s- get to spring. Sucking Please, for the love of God, yeah, <laughs> get me to spring, man. I'm tired of it. Um, I was gonna say something else funny, and it just slipped my mind. You know what it is? It's Bon Jovi. Just gets me. <laughs> just gets to seriously. It does. It's the heart. Um. Oh yeah. Check out our Twitter poll. Um, of course, on our Twitter at Given Fun Day. So just take the any out of it, and then it's Given Fun Day on Twitter. Vote Duke poll. Who would you rather see Duke play in the Final Four, UNC or St. Peter's? We will discuss the results of that uh, in the next hour. But right now, I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and a certain player by the name of Kyrie Irving comes out yesterday uh, when asked about his contract. And he knows he's a free agent. Everybody else knows he's a free agent at the end of the season. They say, Kyrie, what do you think you're going to do after this? Are you going to leave? Do you have plans to test free agency, test the market? Or do you want to stay here in Brooklyn? Or do you want, what do you want? And Kyrie comes out and says it right, right off the bat. No thought, you know, no second guessing, no silence. He says, I'm not leaving my guy seven. If you don't know who seven is, seven would be the slim reaper himself, Kevin Durant. 
Do you stand by what Kyrie says? Do you think you believe that 100%? No, uh, to be honest with you, I don't wow. think. Yeah, I mean, we've wow. seen it with the Celtics. We've seen it with other teams in the past. He hasn't been able to stay on one team. I, not to say that I don't think he's going to stay, but I don't think you can t- trust his word is more of the point that I'm making um, with this take. I think that he will probably stay until Durant leaves. I don't think he's going to want to. Um, there's not really a place right now where you look at Kyrie and you're like, there's a place that he should end his career, right? Um and I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't want to continue playing with Kevin Durant. And he said pretty much that, you know, Katie has been his favorite player to play alongside. I think they both fit very well in their play style. And anyone that they want, not anyone, but a lot of players that they want are going to be able to, they're going to be able to get and bring to Brooklyn in free agency if they want to and get kind of the team that they think is going to be able to, um, you know, bring them to a championship. And I think that both of them have something to prove. Kevin Durant obviously didn't win um, without without the help of Steph Curry, Clay, and, and those guys in um, Golden State. You look at Kyrie, he obviously hit the shot, was a big part in that Cleveland series, but there, there's been a lot of discussion around him of where his career is going since since he has left Cleveland. And, you know, the, obviously the controversy he had in Boston when he played there. And now you look at what he's doing in Brooklyn. The mandate is now lifted. Looks like he's going to be able to play home games depending on who they play. Um, so, you know, this opens up a lot of doors for the Brooklyn Nets, and I think that he wants to stay. I just don't know... What if Kevin Durant leaves, right? What if Kevin Durant in the next couple of years leaves? I think that when KD leaves is also going to be his time up as well. If Kevin Durant or retires, whatever the, whatever comes first. I think I think you, you hit it spot on. I think I will say I trust Kyrie's word on this one because he's got it too. Like him and KD are what we wanted Kyrie and LeBron to be, right? That the real friendship. I get they had the a little bit of chemistry on the court. But I feel like KD and Kyrie are like, they're tight. Well, right? well They're it, real tight. You think about the difference between LeBron James and Kevin Durant as guys on the basketball court. LeBron felt like he had to, I don't think he felt like he had to, but he, he, was, a co- he was a coach, right? He was a coach. He was a player coach. That's what LeBron James was. And he still is and what he will be until, until he retires as well. And I think that Kyrie didn't like that vibe. Comparatively to you know, KD's kind of you know at, at this point in his career, he's kind of do it, do your own thing, do what you need to do. You you know how to ball, you know how to play the game. Go do what you do, and I'll do what I do. And guess what? We'll win games off of it. Yeah. There, there's no, it, it's simple. Instead of LeBron saying, "Hey, we need to do this, this, and this," I feel like Kyrie and Kevin Durant are both guys that they just need to do their own thing and be their own player in in the system that they're in. Uh so, you know, my, my my whole thing with the Brooklyn Nets and, and Kyrie Irving in particular is like, you know, you brought up a good point there discussing the fact that Kyrie is, has said things like that and then went against his words. So you definitely tapped into that for me, at least to the fact that he said stuff like that and then he doesn't follow through with it. I, I do think that there's something to be said, though, about the relationship with K, KD and, and, and Kyrie and nobody is really up their butts right about certain things and like you know Nash is Nash is just Steve Nash at this point he's not this crazy uh coach that has a lot to say he just kind of lets the team go he knows that Kevin Durant is going to do his thing regardless if Steve Nash tries to pin him down to something or not and Kyrie's going to do his thing right so I I feel like the the situation in Brooklyn is is not a bad situation right he's got Ben Simmons uh, eventually coming back potentially this season and you know, I, I just look at this basketball team and I feel like Kyrie is going to stay put. I don't think there's anywhere else that, that would fit him better 
and give him more of an opportunity to kind of be himself than in Brooklyn. Do you think that this is a championship or bust season for Steve Nash? Because I, I mean, I mean, I don't know if Steve. I, to no. be honest with you, I, I see you shaking your head, Cope. But no. is the coach the problem here? Is the and that's and that's the biggest thing to me. Is, whoever you put in that position, I feel like Kyrie and KD are going to go up to him when they sign a new coach, if they do, and they're going to say, "This is our team." Sit over there. Dispute with the refs on on fouls. You know, do your thing. Get fired up. If, yeah, right. Get the crowd into it. Be a good media guy, and that's your role. I don't think that there's anything around it where. We're looking at it, and it's kind of like you know a Steve Kerr, or um, you know, you just think about other coaches in the league that have, Eric Spolster, what he's been able to do over at the Miami Heat organization. You think about guys like that that really have come into their own as coaches. I don't see Steve Nash as that guy yet, just because it's very early in his career. Look at what Jason Kidd has done for the Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, I think he he's really a big part of that team because you really just have like like we always talk about. It's really Luca and the rest of them. Obviously, the other guys have been stepping up, playing really well, but I think that also comes with the, with the coach as well. I don't think the Nets are based in that system, so I just wanted to know if you think it's championship or bust for Steve Nash. No, I think it would have been championship or bust if Harden was still there, but like too many, there's too many things that like Harden forced his hand again to get out of Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. Which which ultimately that's not on that's not on the organization. That's not the organization's fault. That's not Steve Nash's fault. That's not Kyrie Irving's fault. That's not Kevin Durant's fault. Right, if Harden's still there, championship or bust. But now you add in another player, where it's Ben Simmons. Right, he the next year, next year is. And I don't mean to make excuses for the Nets, but like Harden forced the hands. It's not like that was the the organization could do nothing about that. I'll agree. Harden put them in that dilemma. I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you to an extent on that because I think obviously you you talk about how many games those three played together. Right, it wasn't a lot. So when 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 Harden signed up for this, he was thinking this is going to be our run. This is our window right now for all of our primes. And then he doesn't get that. And I think that also played a role in it. Kyrie not being at home games, Kevin Durant being out with injury. He left Houston to not have to do what he did for a majority of the season in in Brooklyn. But if he was just patient. Look at what it would have turned into. I, I completely agree. Now. I completely agree. Kyrie and don't play in home games. No, don't get me wrong. I'm Sox. not saying. I'm not saying. I, I completely agree with what Harden did, but I'm just saying that there is there is a point to what he did. I don't. I still don't agree with it, and I don't think it was the right decision for him. I think that the Nets have a better chance than the Sixers of winning the chip this year. To be completely honest with you. Uh, so, all right. I mean, wait. What? Hold on. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Because <laughs> what did this he just guy, do? This guy's high on the Nets over here. All right. This guy is up on the Nets, and I'm not saying that they're a title that they are number one title contenders here. All right, but I'm saying that they have a better chance than Philly because I just don't see like they had their very good first couple games, honeymoon phase. James Harden, playoff guy, still don't believe in it. Joel Embiid's going to do his thing. The rest of the team, I, I don't really know where they're going to go. Like, is Tyrese Maxey going to be the answer? He's been great this year. Don't get me wrong, but when you think about it like that, I get it. I get know, it. Well, who do you turn to? I, I 100% agree. I think um, just to tie up this conversation here, I think the I think Kyrie's staying. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's he's got it too good. What do you know? What uh, do we know? What Durant's contract was? Um, I I don't know. I, off the top of my head, I I don't want to give the wrong the wrong uh, no, yeah, facts here. But 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just think he's he's showing. He's showing, man. So in 2019, so he's got one more. He's got one more year on his contract. If you're just gonna say something stupid about the Nets, save it. <laughs> what do you got? I just gotta say, any year that you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the team, it's championship or bust. No, yeah, I agree with that. I, I was just saying, I was saying more or less for Steve Nash's sake as a head well, coach. If no. you look at Steve Nash as a head coach, yes, it's early in his career, but if you look at him as like a player, um, he was like a floor general. He he knew how to like do a lot of different things. So I feel like yeah, same thing with with Jason. Right. But Jason, look right. at the success Jason Kidd had in his early career. Exactly, it, it was terrible. Yeah, it looked well, like a horrible coach. He didn't very good teams. He wasn't really on true as well. He didn't get put into the same thing that Nash was given. Right. He wasn't given the same hand as him. But like I said, I think Steve Nash, I still think the Brooklyn Nets are coming out of the East. He, yeah. They just beat the Heat by what, 20 points? Heat are in shambles right now. By the way. But this is the perfect time for them to be in shambles. So, so Kyrie's on his contract here, you said, right? Yeah. So yeah. Kevin Durant only has one more year after him. I, I definitely Kyrie th- signs a longer contract and I think KD gets an extension. I, I could see it. I just also think the conversation that's going to be had between them is going to be after the season and where they are. Well, they want to play together the rest of their careers. I think that's been something that they've both put together. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they find ways to migrate to the other city in New York, right? They, they go over to they go over New York City and play <laughs> for the net. I, nothing surprised me at this point, man. Nothing. You might um, be wishing now, brother. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I don't. Because <laughs> Kyrie's only what? How old is he? 29? 30. 30? Yeah. Oh, he's 30. Dude, we're getting old. We said that already. I know. Yeah. Just like to keep saying it. Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> do this. Let's go to break. When we come back, let's discuss some, some Capital Region sports. The Albany Firewolves played last night. Uh, they had a loss, but let's discuss them a little bit, talk about their season, and uh, see where the conversation brings us. Albany Firewolves coming up next. It's any given fun day. Joey Haas, Ray Ostrout, Kobe Brickner here with you. On 104.5 The Team. Highways. It's Any Given Fun Day, presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. I'm going to let this one rock for one second. One second. baby welcome back to any given fun day here on espn radio 104.5 the team and the free 104.5 the team app thanks thanks Cobe. needed that thank you um it's joey haas ray Osterhout, and kobe brickner here with you and we are here in the capital region so it's only right we discuss the capital region sports it's been a while it's been a minute yeah it has it does. So it's always good to re, um, relay back to them. Yeah. Um, big kudos to Mark Singlace because he is, if there's one person that I need to just sum up Capital Region Sports, Albany Albany Sports, it's him. Does a great job. Always good to have him in your back Definitely pocket. worth a follow on Twitter uh, if you are looking to really, I mean, there's a bunch of great people, but I feel like Mark does a great job of just, he sums it all up in one. Roger does a good job too um, of that, so... Definitely some good follows. But Mark's just always very active on social media, so that's why I say Mark. Um, 
The Albany Firewolves visited the New York Riptide last night and didn't go out the way that they wanted it to. Uh, you know, they they lose fifteen to six. Uh, so really, I mean, in in nice in nice words, they they lost bad. And in realistic words, they got smoked. They got blown out. All right. So the Albany Firewolves fall to six and nine. Um, you know, not much brightness to pull out of the conversation, but I guess you know, get that first season of being in Albany under your belt. Uh, they had some. They had a bumpy road this season. It's kind of turned out not so great. Uh, we thought they were going to be a little more competitive, but hey, happens to the best of us. Yeah, and I'll say this too. I mean, they came out good in the first quarter. They were up four three on the Riptide. Um, and don't get me wrong, they put up pretty. Uh, they put up forty nine shots. They almost threw up fifty shots on goal. Um, their goalie was just better yesterday. I think that's what it really came down to. After the first period, they got outscored twelve to two. So um, that was really the storyline of this game. That when I look at the box score. That's what stands out to me. Um, they won in faceoffs. They, they, they do the dirty work pretty well. Um, it just seems like when they the shots that they're getting are either not what you want them to be, or they're rushing them. I think that's probably the thing that I've I've taken away from this team so far uh, this season is they get in their own head after the first first period, and I don't know. I don't know if it goes downhill. What happens if there's a mental block or something that goes on? Uh, the guys just get tired. I don't know what the case is really, uh, but. It's something, like you said, it's the first season. We can only take so much out of it. I think that hopefully in the future we'll be talking about a New York battle between the Riptide and, and the Firewolves, something that I think as well was probably a little bit more important than I think people really look at is, you know, when you have two teams in the same state, there's going to be a good one and there's going to be a bad one or a team that's better than the other. And that team's get, the better team is obviously going to get the more support for it. Um, so I think that's something that obviously they want. they should want to lock it in forward. Uh, playing against the Riptide, hundred percent agree. Uh, hopefully, the Firewolves can you know learn learn from their mistakes, come back better. Uh, how about the Albany Patroons though? That's a that's a positive. Albany Patroons last night uh, played the Kings, the Pennsylvania Kings. Patroons come out and win one twelve to ninety. Weird? The Pennsylvania Kings. <laughs> that sounds weird. They're probably better than the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> That that might not be a bad take. Fun fact, right? So me and Kobe, while we were mid, um, you know, whatever we, you know, watching the game last night, mm-hmm. a, a stat came across the TV, and you know, there are these great stats that Boston Celtics crushing it, whatever. There's a stat that came up. This is the 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 Sacramento Kings have forty games in a row where they've given up over a hundred points. That's embarrassing. That's wild. That's bad. Like play some defense. Hey, but chumps. that's the bonus trade. Played out good for them, right? Get out of here. I don't even want to take them. Take them. <laughs> but back to the Albany Patroons here. Uh, they are. They're looking good. They're looking good. Will Brown's got these guys playing great. Um, I think it's been a, a pretty good turnout for the for the Patroons. Um, the basketball has been really good. I, I, I have I have a lot of good things to say about the Patroons. Uh, I, I'm very very happy with the product that they're back. That they're playing well. What do you think? I mean, seven and one. That's the biggest thing that stands out to me. They've come out the gates hot. They've had they've had a good start, and I think that's the biggest thing for a team coming back after having what uh, year two off. I would say right, two last, years off, two yep. years off. So really, I think, almost three. Yeah, yeah, and we talk about that was the biggest thing we talk about is you know we always bring it back to bringing basketball and sports back to the capital region. What is the biggest thing? It's getting out there, getting letting people know how good this team is. Will Brown has done a great job so far. 
um, at the early part of the season. And look, don't get me wrong. I don't know too much about how good these other teams are, but they're play. I mean, eight games in the season, I think I can make a pretty good mantra to say that this team is good. Like, if you haven't watched them or gone to watch them yet, this is a team in the Capital Region. If you want to go out and do something, this is a team that I would recommend getting out there and going to do. Because obviously, you guys, uh, from experience, it was a good time. And like we said, I mean, Will Brown, these, and these guys aren't, you know, just... They, they're, their lowest scoring game so far this season is 88, and then after that, they're all over 100. Yeah. Besides their one loss. So, I mean, when you look at it, too, it's it's not like you're going there and watching a 50-60 a to 60 point game watching a lot of slow basketball. You're going to see a lot of scoring, a lot of up and down, and, and it's going to be a good time. I agree. Uh, I'm very happy with the way that that's turned out. Uh, Firewolves, yeah, you know, we, we take the good with the bad here. Um, One thing I will say, too, I I yeah. wish that um, I wish the Patroons would put up some stats because I don't know really too many of the players on the team. I don't know if you could name some guys off the top. I see who, that. Um, but they have, they have the record, they have the schedule, but they don't have any stats of yeah. – Who's doing good? And I think that's a good thing to highlight here, too, is just to you know bring out some names of, of people who you can go watch and people look for when you're going to watch them. Oh, yeah. Uh, last thing I wanted to discuss here, you know, we got to tie it home somehow. But I've, I've felt this. Like you guys know when, and I know this is a, a funny analogy, but like when something happens in the world, like, you know, like uh, you, you feel like, you know, pride for certain things or whatever, right? Like you kind of get where I'm going with this, right? Like, so... Basically, St. Peter's is in the tournament, right? They're from the MAC, mm-hmm. and I felt I felt this pride. I feel like the Capital Region has felt this pride, and like of we can kind of tie ourselves to St. Peter's, but it's so weird how we can do it, right? Because like the last team, you know, we go off the stat: the last team that beat St. Peter's this season was the Siena Saints, right? Yeah. Crazy. So to think I about. feel like it, it. Very crazy to think about. Uh, we beat them both times this year, but it, it, very crazy to think. And like you know, now that they go through the tournament, they run through the MAC, they crush it. They go into the March Madness, right? They win their first game. We feel this pride. They win their second. We feel you know now it's the Cinderella story that we're going to look back on for a long time and say, wow, this St. Peter's team just can't lose, right? But I feel like it's just been a funny sense of pride that we can kind of tie back to home of like. Yeah, that's our like that's the team that we're rooting for because our team beat their team and they're in the same conference. So therefore, you know, realistically, you can say that Siena is a top eight team in the country if you based, wanted to, based off of the fact that St. Peter's is in the lead eight and we beat them twice. That's that's a great take. That's a great take. <laughs> I, I, do you get what I'm saying though? Like, I feel no, yeah, it's a hundred percent. You know, I'm sitting funny. there. It's funny. I, I was sitting there at work on Friday. You know, the games on and everything. I'm sitting there. Um, me, me and one of my coworkers are sitting there just screaming. You know. Bet the peacocks, bet the house on the peacocks the whole night, and we were going back and forth every time. You know, um, we slowed down or something like that. I would, I would sit there, and my eyes were glued to the screen. Yeah, and, and I think not even just because they're a Cinderella story, but like you said, you can tie it back to to the capital region. You can tie it back to you know, this is Saint Saint Peter's. I've been watching since you know, I was eight years old. Like nobody going like to it's the, like the our Pepsi treasure. arena. It's our treasure that we're showing to everybody. Like. Hey, this is this is our our little kept secret of St. Peter's in the Mac. Yeah, and like, I, check out the Mac, baby. Check it out. Well, and guess what? Not to even just say, you know, they didn't just go out and just win, you know, the first round. They're over in the Elite Eight, which is the first ever 15 seed to ever get there. And they have a chance. Like, don't get me wrong, they could be going out there playing against right Kansas today. And don't get me wrong, UNC is a good team. But they're going up against technically an eight seed, Joey. This I is agree. this is the second lowest or no, this is the lowest seed they've played in this tournament so far, right? Because Murray State was a seven, Purdue was a three, and Kentucky was a two. 
So if you look at it like that, I mean, I would say that UNC is is not a better team than Purdue. Arguably not a better team than Kentucky and probably around the same team as Murray State. So this isn't an impossible thing at this point. It's This team is on a roll. They've shown that if you can get hot at the right time, give them a shot. This is the third best team that they've played this tournament, right? I yeah, think arguably. Kentucky was the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and every, like I said, every game has pretty much come down to the wire. And what happens? They get up front. They get in front. Yeah. And they sink their free throws. I mean, that that is what it's come down to pretty much every time that they've played this tournament. So I think the biggest thing for me is keep it close. Like, you yeah. don't have to go yeah. through these big guys or anything like that. Um, their point guard has been playing outstanding, by the way. I can't think of his name right now, but... Um, they're just good. They good all around. They they have a great team chemistry. And the funniest thing to me too is you look at like I saw a tweet a couple of days ago. It was like this is St. Peter's home gym, and it looks to me yeah, like you know Colony High School. It, I, I would you know add, what yeah. I mean. So last thing I'll say, and then we'll 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 go to break here. So there was a there's a tweet out there uh, from somebody in maybe the Rocha. I don't know where exactly he was, but he was like. Our our version of James Allen. You know James Allen, big game James? Yes. Yeah, great. So you know how he's always tweeting about like section two. And so mm-hmm. this is section one, all right? And he put out a tweet, and, I'm, and this is just coming off the dome, but it was about how there's five high schools that are bigger than St. Peter's in section one. So <laughs> you, when you really, when it, you yeah. say that, Ray, you're not kidding. Like Colony High's gym is probably bigger than St. Peter. Like, and it's that's not that's not a joke. That's yeah. not a joke. That's a that's a serious. And it's that's not a, a knock at them. It's just like, how hard must it have been to recruit these kids? You know, what I mean, it's a Division one school, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's a Division one school, right? And they're yeah. and now they're getting a shot. Like, you can go play in New Orleans. Like, you're gonna have to hop up to get on the court at that point. Those you know those floors for Final Four where you gotta the, yeah. the courts above you and yeah. you're like sitting there like this. Yeah. <laughs> think about that. It's crazy to think about. It's crazy. Um, but that is that is the legend of of St. Peter's. That's some Capital Region connections for you here. Uh, let's do this. Let's go to break. When we come back, it is time to debate. Debate. Let's talk. But let's. Yes. Let's is, get a little. This, I think this is more of a discussion than a debate. Yeah. Like I want to uh, keep it PG. There's kids here. There. You know, <laughs> including me. Listen. Like we got it. We got to be. We got to be smart here. We got to be nice. So let's do that. When we come back, a big old debate here on any given fun day. It is Joey Haas, Ray Osterhout, and Kobe Breckner here with you on ESPN Radio, 104.5 The Team. Station. It's any given fun day, presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. And welcome back to any given fun day on ESPN Radio 104.5, the team and the free. Say it, Ray. Hey, hey. 104.5, the team app. I was waiting for it. Sorry, I was doing the hey, song. Hey, hey I was doing the song. Hey, dude, at least you're at least you're you're locked in on it, right? That's you my song. Be, you could be focusing on something completely different, but at least I got you on the music. That means I'm pulling you in. All right. <laughs> what else would I be focused on? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to lie to you. When I came in this morning, I kind of blacked out when I took the, had the turn over here, like about to pull into the radio station, just drove right past the station. I'm not going to lie to you. And I started driving past the station. I was like, wow, where am I? Wow. I was like, I don't remember these houses when I drive here. All right, let's do this. It is time for the debate. Kobe, get us going here. Let's let's uh, let's have some some uh, 
stimulating discussion. Fellas, all right, a week and a half from the start of the MLB season, but I want to know, who do you guys have coming out of the NL East, and how do you think it's going to play out? Hmm. Okay. All right. So, first off, I I feel like the first thing we do, right, is everybody may not be familiar with the NL East teams. Right? Fair fair thing. So, I would say other than the top three. Right. So, the teams in the NL East, in no particular order, the Miami Marlins, the Philadelphia Phillies, Washington Nationals, New York Mets, Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves, previous World Series champions, uh, so, let's do this, Ray. I, I want to. I think I'll, I, let's give our first just our thoughts. What, who do we think is going to come out of the NL East? I think right now. I guess I go with the New York Mets. Okay, I'm going to go with the Phillies. All right. Now, it's hard for me to to sit here and say that I completely disagree with that, right? Because I think the. I think there, there's three teams you could you could argue. I would say, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I'm gonna. I, I think just because of the Met, I think the Mets have been trying to put something together, and right now at this point, right, the, the season hasn't started, so this could go south and it could go south really fast. Uh, you, you know how New York sports is, but right now they have the coach, right, Buck yeah. Showalter, former Albany County Yankee coach at one point. They have the pitching, right? They have the best duo, I'd say, for pitchers in baseball. In Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom, you you put them in whatever order you want to. I would say Jacob Degrom over Max Scherzer. You have the hitters, right? You have everybody from Pete Alonso to Lindor to Starlin Marte to everybody Nimmo, Nimmo, everybody in between. The roster runs deep. Their oh, roster yeah. runs deep. I think this is the most well put together team. Now the thing is, Ray is is this team is it going to be the team that comes out of the NOE? So can they all can they live up to that potential? Right. Every the Yankees on paper look great every year. Does that mean that they're the best team in the division? Though no, it's about how you play. It's about how you you know run the team. So with that being said, I think the Mets have the best chance on paper to win the NOE. And, and here's where I'll go with you to say that why I think the Phillies. The Phillies don't don't get it twisted. Have also two top ten pitchers in their starting rotation as well. Two of the most underrated pitchers in the league right now, and Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. Those two, in my opinion, I don't think they're going to compete, you know, to the level of of Degrom and Scherzer, but they're going to get you just as many nearly wins. Maybe their their ERAs might not be the same or anything like that. Um, but the biggest thing to me for this Phillies team that I'm worried about for the Mets is the Mets bullpen. I don't know what to think. You know, obviously Edwin Diaz had a little bit of a better season last season after having a stinker um, when they first brought him over, but they didn't bring as many players back as I wanted them to. Um, they didn't make as many offseason moves in the bullpen. I didn't think that their their lineup was really the issue. I mean, Francisco Lindor just had a down year, um, but then you kind of look at the Phillies bullpen and you think of Sir Anthony Dominguez. You think of picking up guys like Brad Hand this offseason, uh, Corey Knebel. From the Dodgers last year, these are all those three guys in general are uh, are three guys to me that are going to dominate this NL East, and I really and I truly believe that Brad Hand has been obviously had a down year with the uh, now Guardians um, last year, but he he's had a great career. He's a good veteran, 
And then you also look at, at, at their roster pickups for this season. Kyle Schwarber and Nicholas Castellanos, two of the big names. And then you pair that up with the former National League MVP and Bryce Harper. And this offense is arguably going to be, like, you named all those guys for the Mets, but this this core, this 2-3-4, 3-4-5, however you want to put this in the lineup with Gene Segura getting on base as much as he does with his high on base percentage, having D.D. Gregorius, Reese Hoskins, and those boys behind them to be able to hit in guys like this to take the pressure off them, who we know can just be that consistent guy. Because Reese Hoskins has been playing out of his mind the past couple of years, but he he doesn't need to do as much as he as he will this year. And I think that's just something, like I said, it's going to take the pressure off these guys who we we've come to know for, as the Phillies to that need to help Bryce Harper, and they went and got help for Bryce Harper. And then before we go back to you for the Mets, I just want to say one thing quick about the Braves. I, I was just going to say the same thing. We are we need to to dedicate time to to the Atlanta Braves. One hundred percent. And this is where I'll go with this. The Atlanta Braves obviously getting arguably one of the top five outfielders in Ronald Acuna Jr. back this season. I think that will be an immense help to them. But you also look at what was the NL East last year. It was a dogfight of teams that were 80 and 80. It was a letdown. Right. That's what it was. It, it, was, it was like we talked about, I want to say last week, when we were thinking, you know, you have a team like the Blue Jays out of the playoffs because of, of the way that the MLB format works and how many teams are in the playoffs. The NL East shouldn't have had a single team in the playoffs last year. No, technically speaking, regular no, season wise, no. they shouldn't have. No, and that to me is worrisome because also you have a guy who is a top three outfielder, in my opinion, in Juan Soto on the Nationals. Who um, don't get me, don't get it twisted. Like that team isn't great, but they're they, you know, they just won a World Series a couple years yes, ago. Yes, they did. So this this is prob- arguably besides the AL East, I think one of the most competitive leagues in 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 the division. And don't forget about what the Miami Marlins have been doing. Um, also, they just added Soul Lair. So this, for me, it's just more of the fact of the star power. And to me, the Atlanta Braves don't have, they have a deep roster of good players. Very deep roster. But now we're bringing in, you have four of the top 10 pitchers in the game just in your division that you're going to have to face a lot, a lot this season. So that to me is more of the reason why I'm not thinking too much on the Braves. Obviously, their pitching rotation and um, and their bullpen have been great, and their roster is great, but I just think when you compare it to uh, what the Phillies and Mets are doing, especially regular season-wise, that's why I'm going with where I'm going. I just I have a hard time having a conversation about who's going to win the NL East when the, when the World Series champion was in the division that we're talking about. But at the same time, Ray, like... I don't like to say they were lucky. I don't like to say anything like that. They're, they're the St. Peter's of, of baseball last year. Eh, I mean, it's somewhere in between. I, St. Peter's is is luck. I, I think there's some luck built in. I think they're a great, very competitive team. Just more of they got hot at the right time. Right. But the, exactly. I think that's what it is. That Braves team is, is a very stacked baseball team, right? But you lose Freddie Freeman, and, and I get you gain Matt Olson, which is a younger younger version. You of, also lost the World Series know. MVP. Right. Um, so I, that, I don't want people to be like, oh, well, you know, you're not, you're not giving enough credit where credits do. No, we are. They had it's a great just, season. They, the they Mets, had a great playoffs. The Mets and the Phillies went out and made big moves, big moves. Right. And the Mets are, the Mets are ready. I think they're ready to make that step or I think the Phillies are, I think the, the on paper, the only thing that's holding me back is the fact that you can go out there, right. For the whole season, right? If these guys stay healthy, potentially, right? You can almost chuck up two wins, right? If if Scherzer 
and DeGrom are pitching and they are just playing like normal Scherzer and DeGrom, you can probably count on them giving up less than two runs. But you also think like they had a Chris Bassett too. So, I mean, you're you're probably at least chalking 65 wins up on the season. You have to. For for just those three pitchers. And that's not including your back half with uh, Tywin Walker and um, I'm trying to think. Carrasco. And Carrasco. That's who, who, who's another veteran as well. That might be the best rotation in baseball. It's up there, and this is this is the thing that is holding me back from from picking the Mets over the Phillies, and that's health. We haven't. I haven't been able to see it. I haven't been able to see it. I'm sorry. Over the past couple of years, every single year it seems like one guy goes down, then it's four, then it's eight, then you're calling for trades, you're calling for this, you're calling for that, and you're calling for pitching cha- or, or guys to come up out of nowhere and make. That you could have signed in spring training, but they they didn't get the spot, and now you got to bring them in in a, in a bad situation. And it's just like I feel like the Mets put themselves in this deep dive every year. And to me, this lineup stems from Francisco Lindor, and that's my per- own personal opinion. You don't have to agree with that, but I don't know where his head's at. I'm sure it's good, but I don't know if he's going to come back and be and be the star player that we once knew him as. I I agree, right? I agree in the fact that. The Mets, I think it's, I don't even, it's injuries, but to me it's more of, are you guys going to play the way that you're expected to play? Exactly. You don't have to play above the expected, right? You have such a good roster on paper that if you guys all play to how you're expected to play, not above, but just where you, where you should be, you guys have a shot to win the World Series this year. A very good shot. So I'm a top 10 uh, outfielder in the league, arguably last year. Probably can go even higher with how he played the entire season for the A's. Eduardo Escobar, a completely underrated player. Marcana, also another really underrated player. Um, Lindor. But, Lindor is, is supposed to be a superstar. But that, that's my point. Is And you just went, like you said, you went back and you signed Pete Alonso. Um, middle of that lineup, he, he's not a guy that I look at as a four-hitter in this league, and I think that guy's going to hit 50 home runs and have 130 RBIs. Yeah. That's, just, that's just my opinion, right? Like, when you look at Bryce Harper, when you look at Juan Soto, when you look at... I mean, name some of the fours, John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, you look at J.D. Martinez, you look at Rafael Devers, you look at what those guys, you say those names and you think big things. That's my problem is the middle of this order for the Mets is is going to be, like, I don't know if you move, I think by the end of the year you have to move Pete down to the sixth spot because I think Cannon might have a better year than Pete. I, you know what I mean? I it's it's just it. about balance. It's balancing this team. And don't get me wrong, I want to see the Mets do great. I, I want. I've always root... For, especially because it's my dad's team. Yeah. Always got to root for them. Big Ray. I just want to seek, I need to see consistency from them because I've been able to see, like, we had that talk where, you know, Bryce Harper does what he does with the Nationals, leaves, goes goes to the Phillies, has a down year, comes back, wins MVP the next year. I think he's back. I think now, like I said, it's just easier with them. And, and this pitching staff for, for the Phillies, you can talk about the Mets all you want in that division, but this this Phillies pitching staff is, is just, it's just as good. Underrated. Underrated. Cobe, close this out for us. I guess the question I have for you, Cobe, just to, to close it out and, and give us peace, uh, is what team after that conversation do you think is going to win the NL East? Well, um, I'm kind of homer in this situation. I, I'm a fan of the Mets. Um, but, Ray, I like how um, you kind of put a little bit of like light on the relief pitching. Um, I think that's big for the Mets. How long are they going to be able to ride out their starting pitching with all health? And if it gets to the bullpen and they blow it, it's just whatever. Um, which has been their problem for the right, past exactly, you know, which been their seasons. problem. But I want to like after the All Star break, I feel like the Mets come out pretty hot, like they did last year. Yep. 
But then you got to put them under a microscope after the all-star break is because can they keep playing consistently um, when being put under a microscope because of how they performed last year? They literally just fell off a cliff. And and that's the biggest thing for me, too, is is like Joey said, the consistency. I I think when you look at the consistency of these teams... I look, I look at those rosters and look at those lineups, and I, and I see more holes in the Mets lineup and rotation and bullpen than I do the Phillies and the Braves. And that's, that's the worrisome part, but I also think that the Mets have the biggest upside of all three of those teams. I will say that. Okay. Uh, I, hey, dude, I, I, I think that's a good conversation. I 100%. Think. Could go anyway. Um, let's do this. When we come back, we haven't talked football. Right, I want to talk about a little bit of football. Let's talk about the Giants offseason, the Jets offseason, the Buffalo Bills offseason, and let's tie them all together. The the NFL drafts right around the corner. There's a lot of question marks on all, really, on two of these teams. Maybe not the third one, uh, but two of these teams. So let's uh, let's talk about what we think is going to happen. Uh, it is any given fun day. It's Joey Haas, Ray Osterhout, Kobe Brickner here with you on 104.5 The Team. Day presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team. We'll let this roll in the back. Welcome back to Any Given Fun Day. Here on ESPN Radio, 104.5 The Team in the free 104.5 The Team app. It is Joey Haas. It's Ray Osterhout and Kobe Brickner here with you. That is Michael Jackson. And this is your spot for New York sports. So, we haven't really shed a lot of light, I'd say, in, in, in you know, a little bit. But I feel like it hasn't been focused on the New York Giants, the New York Jets, the Bills, you know. Our team's right here at home. Uh, so, let's talk about... The NFL draft's like right around the corner, seriously. Yeah, so, it's, it's like, whoa. Well, it's I, end of the month, right? Like 20th, like, usually around yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, it's like soon. It's like pretty scary. Uh, so, our guys have some draft picks. And notoriously speaking, right? <laughs> they haven't been great. They're not the greatest at <laughs> drafting. Might right? as well get a 30th pick. Trade your first three for some star talent and go try your luck in the second and third rounds at this point. But I don't think they're going to do that. We have some some discussion, I would say. Uh, the Jets with the four and the ten pick. The Giants with the five and the seven pick. Where do you want to start? Jets. Let's start with the Jets. Um, so I would say they're probably their biggest needs. Um, you look at their defensive line. You look at their offensive line. Um, probably their safeties and their wide receivers. I think that's you got to address two of the four here uh, in these top ten picks. Um, there's a few names I think that could go. To be honest with you, I look at uh, K- Kevon Thibodeau. What a name that is! Give him a Thibodeau. Is it Thibodeau? Well, if, even if it's not Thibodeau, it has to be Thibodeau because I know it's just spelled different. Tibbs lives in New York, yeah. and it also is just, yeah, it's just spelled different. But anyway, uh, he's basically a defensive end, outside linebacker kind of mix. Uh, for the Jets, I think he would slot in perfectly. He's really athletic. Uh, he's six foot five, two hundred fifty eight pounds. He's an absolute stud. He played really good last year. Um, I look at him when you look at the defensive end of things. Probably, arguably the best, I would say, offensive lineman in this draft, Evan Neal. I think if he doesn't go to the Jets, he probably goes to the Giants. It's just a matter of where the Jets go. 
Um, and then it's just a matter of if the other other next best offensive lineman and Charles Cross over at Mississippi State falls to the Jets because I think that's probably what they're going to hope for. And if they don't get him, I would say they probably go for a guy, um, guy like Garrett Wilson over at Ohio State. So here's when it comes to New York Jets. First off, commend them. Right, they had the better off season than the New York Giants. They went out there, they spent money, they added a lot of players. The Jets tend to do this, right? They've done this over the last few years, and I feel like it's flown under the radar a little bit. But the Jets are spenders, and they have no problem spending money. And that's been shown time and time, and time again, and they're starting to figure it out. I feel like this could be a real a real turning point season for the Jets. And, and maybe we've said this in the past, but I truly believe it. You know, you they have a shot to draft a, a, an impactful D, D end, right? And the guy you just listed in Kayvon Thibodeau. That could turn their whole roster around. Like a couple of those moves, add in the moves that they've already made. Another year, Zach Wilson, maybe get a receiver. And like we're looking at a, a pretty good New York Jets team. Like, like I've been talking about, I think that the Jets have some of the – like I think the Jets' young talent has a bigger upside than the Giants' young talent at this point. Like they're, they're two running backs in Carter and um, Tyler Johnson. I think they're both really good. Zach Wilson played a lot better towards the back half of the season last year. If you can get a guy in the, in the draft, like I said, that can can give you the deep threat ball now that you don't have Jameson Crowder, uh, you lose out on Tyree Kill. I think wide receivers are a position you have to address here. And I wouldn't say this is the best draft class for receivers. I don't think that this is like when we had, you know, Judy. It could be deep, though. Deep. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree, like, but I don't think this is like gems. a Jerry Judy, no. CeeDee Lamb, um, Who's the other one I'm missing? Jalen Waddell and who was the other one? Henry Ruggs and uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that draft. Yeah, it's like good, that, like good draft. Like you look at that, and, you, and we were talking about wide receivers as much as we were talking about quarterbacks in that draft. Um, this year, it's very defensive heavy, very offensive line heavy. I I would say. Um, so I think that there's still some great players in there. Don't get me wrong. I think there's some guys that come out come out and make some some big impacts. But uh, biggest thing for me, you know, the Jets bring back Joe Flacco. Yeah. Joe Flacco's back. In, the old mentor. Green. That's all you need. <laughs> um, here's here's what I think. I think the Jets keep both their picks. Yeah. I think they pick both guys. I think the Giants trade both their picks, and I think they're playing the trade game. And they're really? going now. They're going. They're just moving back. But who who do you think that? Who do you think that they could get out of it that would help this team? They're going to get more picks. There any more picks? You think that they go the route of just continuously going through the draft after the rumors of Saquon Barkley? You don't know what you're going to get with Daniel Jones. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I think this is what happens. So they have what the number five pick, five and seven, five and seven. Number five pick, they trade to Atlanta. Atlanta needs a quarterback. I think they might get like a, like a Malik Willis, right? Liberty quarterback. I think the Giants move back to eight. And they say, "All right, you guys, you guys take the fifth pick, but in return, we want another first round pick." But like you look, so at- we're going to take your we're going to take your first round pick this year. We're going to move back three spots, and then we're going to take your first round pick next year. I think that the Falcons can wait till late for a QB. I don't know if they do though. I, I mean, feel like, like you the look Giants at- are ready to trade. Think about I know, but think about the think about the teams ahead of them. Giants aren't going to draft a QB. Uh, Panthers could. Panthers Panthers want Malik Willis. Yeah, hundred percent. So, they have no other option. Yeah, but then Jets, Giants, uh, Texans, Lions, Jags. That's why. That's why the Falcons make that trade, though, right? Yeah, is is for the sole reason that the Panthers, if they get 
Uh, if they get to the what are they number six or number? Yes, they yeah. they are the six. So I guess I guess in reality, that, that makes that's, sense. That's what it is. Yeah. So I think they trade that pick, and then they have the number seven pick. They trade that too. I think they get. Uh, they're going to trade with this, you know, and I'm looking up some ideas, but I think they just trade back into the mid round. They take like a number 20 pick in return and then they get another two picks. But as again. A, I mean, as a as a Giants fan, do you want that? Like, I feel like like out of what Alabama has brought to the NFL over the past five, seven years, we've seen a few good receivers Quarterbacks have somewhat transferred over, not has, haven't been as successful. Just say offensive line. Yeah, you Just know what I mean. It. It's been all, it's been mostly offensive linemen that come out of there, and they're dominant in the NFL. And that's the guy that you're looking at, and you're like, this guy can really help the blind side of Daniel Jones, and help out this team. I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing that you could probably you know go back and get another guy, but I think that the Giants, if they do this, they'll look more scared. To their to their fans, if they go back on the, on what they have right now and trade for more picks, because they they're saying that oh, we don't want to make the bad decision all the way at the top of the at the draft board. So you know what, we'll play it safe. We'll draft three or four okay linemen, and hopefully one of them works out. That's what's going to happen. And though. that that to me is like as a Giants fan, I want even though we've messed up, or even though they've messed up and done what they've done in the past, and their drafts haven't. Been to the point where they would say, I mean, probably Saquon's your best pick in the past couple of years. That's and, not saying and, much, and that's what I mean is he hasn't been. You know, he obviously had that first year of greatness, but he hasn't been, um, you know, that top five running back that everybody thought he was. going to I think be. you put up better stats than last year. I did. No, you did. Yeah, I remember the, that uh, one game. Yeah, yeah, the flag football was it, week, week fourteen. Yeah, flag football league. Uh, I think I had two hundred eighty three rushing yards, four hundred all purpose yards, and nineteen touchdowns. Eighteen. Oh, first sorry. of all, first of all, I was eighteen. Eight. Second of all, that was a close game, one forty-eight to uh, one fifty. <laughs> um, you know, I I think that's what the Giants do. Is I think they're gonna they're gonna trade back again next year. Is gonna be the huge draft year. I think they play out what they have right now, and I think they go one more year. That's it, it's not what I want as a, as a as a Giants supporter, but it's what I see as a sports guy who reads a lot of stuff and, and sees what the Giants let me just, are looking to do. Let me just say this for the New York Giants, if you're listening, which I know you are. Daniel Jones doesn't work out. Saquon Barkley doesn't work out. Blow it up. Blow it up? Blow it up. Blow it up. The yeah, I thing. agree. I agree. Blow it up. Get get a whole new roster. I I think I think if if you 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 put all those those picks that you have, yeah. and I think you just trade for a quarterback. I think you do. Get somebody proven. No more. No more of this. I'm trying to think though. Drafting rookie quarterback stuff. Go, <laughs> go trade for. Some. It hasn't worked. You think of somebody. You don't have to think of somebody because if you offer enough picks, anybody will take it. Unless we're talking like Patrick Mahomes, Joe. Right. Burrowing. That's what I mean. I'm trying to like let me. But there's there's guys out there that are definitely touchable if you offer if you offer enough picks. Like let's go through this really quick. Josh Allen, no. Mac Jones, no. Tua, do you really? Mac want? Jones could definitely be moved with picks. Absolutely. No. I don't think Belichick's going to get him out of there. They just had a good se- a good start to the season with him. I agree, but I think if you a good start if to you career. said if you said, "Hey, Billy, here's here's well, a he doesn't want, he doesn't want to rebuild at this yeah. point again in his career. Who's who going to put a quarterback? Right, I, we're going down a rabbit hole that we're not going to be able to get out of here. But realistically, like think about it. I think that's what the Giants should do. That's My, what I think they should do. No, I know Miami. No Jets. No Bengals. No Pittsburgh. Do you want them? Cleveland. No Baltimore. No. I could see Tannehill or Kirk Cousins. Those are the only two. You would be surprised, Ray, what a little money 
and a little picks could do for it would would entice somebody. or ju- or plot twist Justin Fields get him out of that situation in, in uh, Chicago. So I'm going to say I think that the Giants if they strike out again with the drafting a quarterback clearly it doesn't work. Just go get just just go go buy somebody go trade for somebody. I agree. Uh, finally here, real quick, Buffalo Bills. Uh, just as far as their offseason, they're making moves, man. They're doing their thing. Von Miller. Uh, that will still be a sketchy signing for me because you paid him a lot of money. He is not a young man anymore. And I get like people tell me Buffalo Bills fans, football fans alike. They're like, Joey, listen, he's not going to play every down. All right, that's cool and all, guys, but why'd you pay him so much money then? <laughs> like we're talking six years, $120 million of Von Miller. For him to come in and pass rush, you know, here and there, 70% of the time, 60% of the time. Yeah. That's and like a he, lot of money, and man. Like he, that's he a lot was, of money. But I mean, that's probably what he asked for. You know what I mean? The Rams definitely weren't going to give him that much because they just got a Super Bowl off of it. Right. It, it, you know, that's just my thought. No, I, I, I completely agree with Von you. Von Miller is not a young lad. But to, but to think of it this way, Joe, they've still been able to get some pieces. I mean, obviously, I don't know how I feel about Duke Johnson and McKissick coming in. I feel like those are kind of the same type of running backs. They're not really running backs. They're more like slot receivers almost to an extent. And then you have um, Moss and Singletary. I feel like that's – I feel like you got to get rid of somebody, right? I don't know. You bring those two guys in. Stack them up, man. Stack them up. What do you need four running backs for? There's only four – there's three technical downs before you punt. Yeah, I get it. You hey, know what I mean? But- I, I think they could have went somewhere else with it. Obviously, they signed Crowder as well. Uh, they got some of their offensive linemen. I know they just re-signed him. Crowder, I think, is a huge pickup for for Buffalo. I think he's underrated. I think he's underrated. But my my question is now, is that it's been rumoring. I don't know how true it will be. No, or- it's not happening. D- don't even put the Diggs conversation with Dallas in there. Don't do it. Allen came out on Twitter yesterday, said no shot. There's no way. the The chemistry between those two, the love that Buffalo has for for Diggs, the amount of money that Buffalo would put on the table for Stephon, D- not never, never. Yeah. And now, to reason, be honest with me, it doesn't really make sense. There's a reason that that Stefan Diggs did not comment on that. And well, it's because it is a not. Yeah, and a here's no. the thing too: if you're giving up Stefan, or if the Bills are giving up Stefan Diggs, they're getting Ceedee Lamb or Michael Gallup in a lot. Yeah, like it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. Like, you know what I mean? They're it's getting they're getting big players from that side. We're we don't even have to worry about that. It's not happening. I don't even think Stefan Diggs wants to play with him. Like he doesn't want to. Right? I, I don't know about that. I I, I don't I don't think so. I don't think it's a no, I think if anything, Trayvon Diggs would come to the Bills before Stephon Diggs went to the Cowboys. Uh, yeah. Stephon Diggs, ah, this is my hot take of the of the day. Stephon Diggs stays a Bill for the rest of his career. I don't even think that's too hot of a take, but neither do I. I think he's he's not going anywhere. The problem the problem I have with that is I just feel like whenever we talk about receivers, they always like towards the back half of their career they always just like move from team to team. If Josh Allen is as long as Josh Allen's a Buffalo Bill, Stephon Diggs will be a Buffalo Bill, right? Yeah. That I think that I, that I agree with. They are they are best pals. They've created a very good chemistry and a friendship, and I don't see that happening. Uh, but that is some NFL football offseason talk. When we come back, there is more baseball to be talked about as we inch closer to opening day. A lot of guys for the New York Yankees and the New York Mets are going to be making their debuts today. Uh, so I'm very excited to discuss that and let's talk about our expectations for those guys and what we think they're going to do today. Um, it is any given fun day. It's Joey Haas. It's Ray Ostrout. It's Kobe Brickner. And we're here with you on 104.5 The Team. Any given fun day presented by Joey and Ray on 104.5 The Team.
I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. <laughs> Leg out. Yellow model kid. Yellow bottle sipping. Yellow Lamborghini. Yellow top missing. Yep, yep. That shit look like a toupee. Welcome back to any given fun day. Here on ESPN Radio, 104.5 The Team in the Free, 104.5 The Team app. Let's wrap this show up. Right, send it over like a screenshot, like a text. It was spring. Huh? I didn't read it fully. It was uh, spring start. Okay. That's what we didn't, we didn't read the fine lines. There but, we go. But that's why we thought it was. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's do this. So let's wrap this bad boy up first by talking about that Twitter poll. Uh, I will pull it up here and we will break this bad boy down for a second. Get you guys ready. For another day of the Elite Eight, all that good stuff. All right. So, not too many votes. Twitter could use a little work. <laughs> I was gonna say instant, but yeah, yeah. So we like we, we like to get our Twitter up anyway. Yeah, you gotta get that. You gotta get that Twitter rolling. So, question was, who would you? And we presented this at the beginning of the show. Really, who would you rather see Duke play in the Final Four? Eleven votes. All right. So not too many votes, but. By a landslide, St. Peter's. People want to see St. Peter's instead of UNC. And you know what? I can get behind that. I can get behind either of them. I think people want to see things that have never been seen before. Right? We've seen Duke and UNC play a gajillion times. Do I think there's something to be said about them playing in a Final Four matchup in the last time Coach K, the most legendary uh Top three most legendary college basketball coach ever playing against his arch nemesis, who the last time they lost to was UNC. I think there's something to be said there. But then again, St. Peter's is on a historical run, right? It, it it makes sense. And it's been it's never never seen before, right? This is all brand new stuff. So I can see both sides of it. I like I like that the people want to see something new. I I'm, I can get behind that every day of the week. I, I also think too where my head is at is like you think about UNC they beat Duke on their home floor at the end of the season right I don't know if coach like if Duke fans in general I don't know how many of those were Duke fans but if you think about it as a Duke fan do you want the there to be a possibility of UNC ending coach K's career like how would that how would that stick with you as a Duke fan Coach K's got to come back for another one. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm saying. Like imagine imagine you're Coach K and you just sit down after the last game of the season, you lose to UNC. Like you got to feel so angry, so mad, so disgusted. Like uh, they they they've had your number this year. Genuinely. They they I don't know how it would have happened or how it would have went down in the ACC championship game, but if Duke played like they did against Virginia Tech, I'm pretty sure UNC would have won that game as well. How do you sleep at night? How do you sleep at night with that? Seriously. Exactly. I don't think that Duke fans would even want the possibility of it happening. That's why I think also another thing is that, you know, if we had a few Duke fans in there, they're like, you know what? I don't want to lose to this crazy Cinderella team because then we could say we at least joined the likes of Kentucky and Purdue. Right. Right. And then UNC. Yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, at that point, you know, this is a historical run. I think that's what I think that's how I would have to look at it. I I 100 percent agree. All right. We got two basketball games today. So, of course, there's UNC and St. Peter's. And then the other one is, what, Miami and Kansas? 
Yep. Does that we sound right? have a chance to have a 10, 15, or 10 seed possibly, and then guaranteed a 15 or an 8 seed in the final four. Cool. Let's go. I'm here for it. And we already have a two and who's the other one? I think it's a two as well, right? Let's make this quick and pretty. Yeah, right? two twos is uh, is who we have in the final four so far. Nice. Let's make this let's make this fast. Let's go around, give our predictions for today's game. Today's games. All right. Kobe, start us off. Give me first your prediction for St. Peter's UNC. Um, shout out to St. Peter's. Um they're shedding light on New York and New Jersey basketball. Um, which is good, uh, but I'm going to have to go with UNC here. Okay. Bet Maybe. the house on the Cox. Give All me right. St. Peter's. I'm taking them over. I'm taking them. I'm rolling with them until I lose. I don't care. This is like a Bengals situation for me. I'm going to have to. I'm, I guess I go with St. Peter's. Wow. I thought I was going to be the only one. Guess I go with St. Peter's. They've been playing really good, though, man. So let's see a St. Peter's, a 15-2. All right, in the final four. <laughs> let's swing this back around one more time. Kobe, Miami, Kansas. Who do you got? Miami. Wow. Really? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I've been I've been watching them since the ACC tournament. They are a very, very good team. They're really good offensively. Um, but to me right now, this is this is Kansas tournaments to lose. This is, they this is are Kansas tournament. They are the best team left, and I think that they were probably arguably the best team going into this tournament uh, with the way that they handled Texas Tech in the Big Twelve Championship. Uh, I'm I'm big on Kansas this year. Ever since I watched them play Texas Tech, they've been um, they haven't missed a beat so far this year. There's one thing that that is has always been stuck in sports, right? And it's that defense wins championships. The best defensive team left in this tournament is nobody other than Kansas. I'm going to go Kansas in this one. Uh, so let's see what happens. People want St. Peter's. Let's see what happens. Um, other than that, fellas. Great job today. You too, sir. Uh, hopefully, we come back next week. We're wearing shorts and a t-shirt in oh, here, right? We're, having, we're we're ready. We're one week closer to baseball. Um, but other than that, let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, check us out on our social media pages at Given Fun Day uh, for great content all during the week. And we will see you guys again next week. As always, make sure don't forget to always let the fun days roll. <laughs>